All right. Um, I want to talk about joy, of all things. And it'll be brief. I actually prepared a pretty brief sermon, and it worked out because we went over on everything else, so good. Um, if you're new, we don't always skip in here, but it happens occasionally. <laughs> Who knows? It may be a regular thing now. Uh, <laughs> still taken back. Like, whoa. All right. Have you ever had your joy taken away from you? Don't get super spiritual on me. I'm talking about, like, you ever been, like, real excited and happy and had a lot of joy, and then it gets taken from you? Um, I was trying to think of examples to lead into this, and the first one I thought of, of all things, was a, a science project. Um, I wasn't the best in school. I was, you know, a little bit ADD, or a lot ADD. Um, big surprise. And, uh, but with projects, if I could stay focused on something, man, I would go all after it. Well, I'll never forget, I, uh, <clears throat> I had a project coming up, and I was so excited about doing a project, I'd never had to do a project before. So we had to do a project and write kind of a report about what the, the project was. Um, and I, I think I was in fourth grade or fifth grade, but I mean, you got to think, and I'm sure it'll date me, there was no Google, there were very little books that I really even read, but I thought I was an absolute genius because I'd heard about perpetual motion and I was going to like create perpetual motion. I was like, I can do this. So I literally took apart some of my toys and got a motor out and a battery out of like a flashlight or whatever, and I don't know where I found some sort of generator, but I found a generator, a little something that would create power, and I made like little pulleys and belts to where the battery would power the motor, the motor would power the generator that charged the battery. And I thought that I had created the never-ending cycle of power. And, I mean, I had a piece of plywood, and I had it all screwed down. And I wrote a brief, very brief report about what it was, the definition of perpetual motion, and then very brief of what I had done. It seemed pretty straightforward to me. Um, and I turned it in, and I sat back and waited. It was a few days until they graded them and everything. And I sat back and waited for, like, a presidential call or, like, something great was going to come from this because everybody's going to be blown away. Like, how awesome. Because some of the other kids had, like, real basic stuff, like paper mache stuff and little. I was like, I had this massive piece of plywood with a motor on it. I was like, this is going to be awesome. And about three days later, I got it back with a, they wrote the grade on the back, and it was a C. I was like, what? Wait, did you see what I did there? And the whole thing was, it was because my report wasn't thorough enough. I didn't write, like, a long report about what it was. And the teacher even said, she was like, I was really impressed at what you did, but your report was not that was what I was really wanting to see was more of the report. And I was like, devastated. But, yeah, yeah, I create, I invented something. I created forever power. Don't you understand, teacher? She didn't understand. I didn't say any of that. That's what I said inside. I said, thank you. And I, <laughs> I walked out. But I was devastated. I felt like it just ripped my joy out from, from inside of me. The other time um, was just the other day. Uh, <laughs> It was just the other day, and I was riding jet skis, and it was warm enough to go ride, but the water apparently was still cold, I found out later on in the story. But I was playing around, and I fell off the back of the jet ski, and it was freezing cold. And I got back on, but everything fun on a jet ski is moving, which is wind, which makes you colder. <laughs> and so it was like, well, this game's over. So I, I put it up. So just like, have you ever been on a jet ski? Like, nobody frowns on a jet ski. It was fun continuously. But if you're freezing cold, it kind of takes some of the fun out of it. Speaking of... Uh, <laughs> A year, I guess it was maybe a year ago about the same time, because our weather is so kooky, it feels warm, and then you get on the water, and it's warm until you fall in. But it happened again not that long ago, and Tracy's very patient with me. <laughs> she likes mornings, especially like Saturday mornings, to sleep in, and I, I get up early, so sometimes she's cool if I go like do something fun or work on something, then come back, and then she's awake, and we go do stuff. And usually she tells me what we're doing before we do it, and then I forget it, and this is one of those times. Went jet skiing, fell off, was cold again, came back home, and came in and started working on something, and she 
came out like ready to go. And she was like, all right, you ready? And I was like, yes, where are we going? She was like, I, we've talked about this like five times. Like, I know, I'm ready. And so we left. <laughs> yeah, I think we were shopping or something. <laughs> this is terrible. As if I haven't embarrassed myself enough already. Um, but I pretended like I was ready, but I hadn't changed. And so I was still a little damp. And so as we're walking, I think it was, the, it was the mall. I think she was looking for scrubs, and we ended up at the mall. So as I'm walking, bad things begin to happen, and I started walking a little funnier, and I was just like, this is not good. My walk changed to a little bit of a stride, and she was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm having some issues here, and I may catch on fire soon. And she was like, I'm not walking with you if you continue to walk like that. And I was like, what's wrong? And I think I stole her joy, but anyway. Anyway, sometimes your joy is taken from you in lots of different ways. Uh, <laughs> She was so embarrassed, I'll never forget her face. She was like, you can't do that. Not good. I was like, I'm telling you, I got no option unless I lay down and you roll me. Um, but anyway, joy. So back to joy. Uh, <laughs> hey, that gave you joy. <laughs> that gave you joy. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. Relatable humor. It's, it's funny because it's true. All right. Uh, <laughs> All right, so... Uh, Hebrew, jeez, oh, it's hard to transition now that I've thought I have that, that in my head. All right, let me focus, 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 focus. Hebrews 12, 2. We're looking at what, what real joy, now, uh, the joy that I was talking about is a little bit different than the joy that we're about to talk about. Real joy, uh, where do you think it's found? It's the universal answer to everything in youth group. Jesus. Looking at Hebrews 12, 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Have you ever thought about that? Joy set before him brought him through the cross. That's pretty radical thinking. Joy, really? We're going to skip around a little bit. Luke 10, 17, we'll hang out a little bit. Luke 10, 17 says, I'm going to go through it, and then we're going to kind of go back and go through some stuff. Luke, Luke 10, 17 says, Then the, the 70 returned with joy. Now, this is right after he sent the 70 out to prepare a way for him in all the cities, and he said, hey, go in these cities. Um, if they accept you, that's good. If not, you know, dust the sand off your sandals or whatever and, and leave, but go prepare away from me. So they're going in the cities, and they come back really excited, full of joy, right? So 70 return with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Like, they are just blown away. They can't believe it. And, here's, uh, and Jesus says to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give, you the, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And verse 21, In that hour Jesus rejoiced in the spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight, all things have been delivered to me by my Father, and no one knows who the, who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and the one to whom the Son will, wills to reveal him. Sorry, that was a little confusing at the end. All right, let's back up to 17. Seven, uh, the 70 return with joy, and they're real excited because they've cast out demons, and they can't believe, like, everything's going well for them, right? They've gone into the cities, and they've cast out demons, and it's worked. Like, all these things have worked, and life is good for them right now. So they come back with a temporary joy, and they bring it to Jesus, and they're excited about it. <laughs> and they're expecting Jesus to be excited about it. And Jesus basically says... Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm aware. I took Satan out already. I'm not limited by time and space. Dog on a leash, he's done, done, no problem. Um, but 
I don't want you to rejoice about this, verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this temporary joy, is what he's talking about. Don't, don't just rejoice in this, <clears throat> that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's an eternal joy. You see the difference? There's nothing wrong with having that joy. They were, they were excited, but life was going good for them. It wasn't always going good for them, but in this instance, it was going good for them. So they come back excited about it, and Jesus kind of crushes their joy a little bit. It's like, that's great, but be happier that your names are written in, in the book. An eternal joy. Realize that there's more than just the temporary that you're seeing now. So how do we find this eternal joy? Jesus is about to demonstrate that in verse 21. In that hour, Jesus rejoices in the Spirit. You remember everything we've talked about living out from the source of the Spirit. We're continuing our source thing. We're just talking about joy, where our source, where our source of joy comes from. So remember our source thing. It comes from, from the Spirit, not from just what you can see, touch, and feel. So Jesus rejoices where? In the Spirit. And says, I thank you. So he comes with thanksgiving immediately. He recognizes what's going on. He knows the temporary, but he sees the eternal, and he demonstrates it to him. Look, this is how this works. You guys are excited. That's cool. But this is more important. This is eternal. In verse 23, it says, uh, And he turned to his disciples and said, Privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see what you see and have not seen it, and hear what you hear and have not heard it. When you're drawing from a different source, your eyes see things that they don't normally see, and you hear things that you don't normally hear. You see what he's saying here? Many people have wanted to see what you see and hear what you hear. He's not just talking about physically of them casting out demons and doing these things. He's talking about the revelation of Jesus the Christ, the Son of God. He's talking about the fact that there is eternal life now and forever. He's saying you are seeing things that many want to see but can't see them, but you're seeing them. And he even says in private not to just be a jerk about it. It's like, hey, you guys are seeing things that many people have wanted to see for for a long time, and you guys are basically just a bunch of goofballs, (laughs) and you get to see it. That's essentially what we're saying. You babies get to see what prophets and and all these kings wanted to see. You little fishermen, (laughs) you little goofballs, you get to see something incredible. Don't you see that this is bigger than just that? Um. John 15, 11 says, These things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is continuing the same, the same idea that there is a, a fulfillment in the joy of Christ that's not found in just the joy that we find temporarily. Um, I know I'm jumping around a lot. This is my fault, not yours. Philippians 4, 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And, and again, I will say rejoice. Do you know who wrote that in Philippians 4, 4? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. It was Paul. You know where, do you know where Paul was when he wrote that? In prison. Do you know what kind of prison he was in? Not the good kind. Huh? Sewer. Sewer ran through it. He was in a dungeon, like underground, where there was raw sewage at his feet. And what does he say? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Think about that for a minute. It would be easy to say, this sucks. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm glad Tracy's not here. She called me. You can't say sucks from the pulpit. This is bad. This is not good. It'd be easy to say that, right? And what does he say? Rejoice. Twice he says it for emphasis. Again, I say rejoice. This is Paul in prison right now, on death row, in raw sewage. What does that tell us? 
But there's a joy found beyond our circumstances, what we see right around us. It was what Jesus was trying to tell the disciples when they came back and said, check it out, we're casting out demons, it's amazing. I just thought about this. Me and Bill had a conversation the other day about this. We've known some people through our many wise years of Christianity. Now, we've known some people that have, have been born again, had, got, had gotten saved, and been on fire. Do you remember this conversation we had the other day? I've been on fire for the Lord, and we're excited about it, and they're excited about it, and they go to revivals, and they go to church services, and they're in church every time the doors open, and they're just on fire, and all of a sudden, they just fall off, right? Have y'all ever experienced that? And then they just go back to living their life, and they're just like, I'm done with this. And we were talking about it, we're like, why do people do that? <clears throat> I started thinking about it, and that's the reason is because they are, I, I believe, and maybe not everybody, this isn't a broad generalization, but some of the experiences that I've seen, I believe it is because it was something that I struggled with in the beginning, was putting, uh, we put our faith in a religion or a church or a person or a pastor, and when that doesn't work out the way that we think that it should, whether the pastor fails or um, something doesn't go the way we should or that we lose that feeling that we have, then we fall off because we put our faith in something that's not Christ himself. Does that make sense? What happens then is when you put all of your faith in something that's not the, the actual source, which is Christ and the Holy Spirit, when you put your faith in an organization or uh, a theology or just something like that, those can be good temporarily. Same way the law can keep you temporarily, but eventually you'll break it. Those can be good temporarily, but eventually something will fall, and if it breaks, you'll either have to ignore it or address it, right? When something falls apart, you either have to pretend like it didn't happen and lie about it, I guess, or you have to address it and either... Either you're wrong and you're following something that's wrong and then you just go away from it, right? You just bail on it because this obviously isn't it because this didn't go the way that I thought it should have gone, right? This is, this is why I think people do that because they get caught up in, in all the emotions and the feeling and they're, and they're genuine and everything, but they lose focus on, on being led by the Holy Spirit and not just led by people or an organization or religion. Does that make sense? That was a sidetrack, but I just thought about it. Um, so Paul is in prison literally with his feet in the sewers, and he says, rejoice. He has joy in the midst of the absolute, probably worst circumstances, being on death row in raw sewage. Um, Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. So what we need, we need to see is when our temporary joy is taken away, that we pull from a different source. That's where our strength comes from. We've all had our joy taken from us, whether it's silly stuff like I was talking about earlier or genuine, like, earth-shattering, life-changing things have tried to steal our joy, right? That's The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your hope. He wants to take all of that stuff away from you. But if your source is temporary joy, it can be taken and it can be shaken. But if it's eternal joy, it can't be. There's no way. It's the equivalent of someone kicking God off of his throne. That ain't going to happen, right? He said a minute ago, I know you guys are casting out demons. I saw him fall from the, from, from the heavens down to earth. I'm done. I took care of that. I'm fully aware of what's going on. But this, isn't, this is the good times. You're going to run into bad times. He said, we're all going to face trials and tribulations. You're going to see bad stuff. But where's your source? Where's your strength come from? Nehemiah says, the joy of the Lord is your strength, not the temporary joy. We can't get those confused. Too many times we want to we flirt with eternal joy, and try to marry temporary joy. <laughs> we we want to we grab a hold of temporary joy and hold on to it as long as we can. That's why people live for the weekend, right? I can't wait to get to the weekend just to have fun because last weekend was awesome. 
and I want to reproduce that this weekend, right? Or, you know, anything, we want, to, we want to build up and hang on to something joyous, something fun. But whether you know it or not, those things aren't, to, aren't permanent. Those things will come and go. Your team probably won yesterday, I think. Enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with enjoying it. But that, and I hope it continues. I'm not saying it's not going to. But what happens when your team loses? Is <laughs> they, we, we actually watched the game last night, and the pan, the, the cameraman finds like the most depressed person when the team's losing, and it's sad and kind of funny at the same time because they're just like their whole world's falling apart, and they're just like, I, I don't know what to do. Like the, everything they've invested and in, they've driven, or I don't know how they got all the way. This was a uh, what game did we watch? I don't watch a lot of football. Uh, Alabama and LSU, and I can imagine like they all went to Tuscaloosa, and then their team loses, and they're like, man, we got to drive home. <laughs> we came for this. This is terrible. But that's, that's part of trying to, to hold on to something that shouldn't be held on to. Those are temporary things. Having said that, enjoy them. There's nothing wrong with them. Enjoy the temporary things. You cast out demons, that's awesome. You, you have a good weekend, you go ride jet skis, enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with that. But that's not constant. That's not every day. That's not every moment of every day. That's not your source. You see the difference? When you pull from a source that never runs out, the whole uh, living water thing at the well, I have, a, I have water you don't know about. And she's like, what? What is this magic water you speak of? He's like, no, you don't understand. I've got something that never runs out. It's continuous. Our joy is fleeting. I, I equate it to bucketfuls. When I first got saved, I thought about it. All the times that I tried to find joy in all the... All the I don't want to say bad things because a lot of the things that I was doing were genuine, um, I think genuine things that God wanted me to experience in a different way. Does that make sense? I'm not going to go into detail, but I was trying to shortcut the Holy Spirit and do them on my own, right? And I didn't find satisfaction in them. Why? That they were bad and not good? No. They weren't Holy Spirit-led and they weren't drawn from the source that actually led me to do those things. They were from my own desire to try to find my own joy, outside of a relationship with the Lord. Does that make sense? So when I was walking and grabbing these bucketfuls and trying to fulfill this, this emptiness that was in me, it was fleeting, always fleeting. Living for the weekend kind of thing, I was living for the weekend, living for, can't wait till I get off of work. But now I can enjoy work, not all the time. But I can, I can find joy in the midst of not the best circumstances. I'm, I work a job right now that's not my favorite thing to do, but it, but it takes care of, my family, and it pays the bills, um, and it does, you know, and I can find joy in it. I meet lots of really cool people. Um, I can find opportunities to share the Lord with people. I can find opportunities just to hang out with people and talk to them, build relationships with them. I can find something good even when it's not my favorite thing to do. So this, this, this radical idea that, that, that you don't have to depend on a, a continuous uh, temporary joy that you can have a separate source that's not seen, that the disciples were being seen, that we can actually see, can change your perspective on everything. You can step into situations in a completely different light than anything else. You can, you can begin to see things and find joy even in tragedy. Somebody was telling me the other day, they had been to two funerals with me, and they said both funerals that I laughed at both funerals, and I don't remember it, but I was like, that sounds a little irreverent. But both situations were really close friends of mine, and as we were gathered as friends together, we were laughing about some of the good times that we had with those people. 
And even in the midst of tragedy that we lost them, we could see beyond just death. We could see beyond that, right? And so it can change your perspective about everything. So what we try to do sometimes is we'll go out into the world and seek joy and fulfillment and then ask God to make it happen for us. So what we do is we go out and we try to grab temporary joy and then bring it to the Lord and say, hey, I want all these things, right? Have you all ever done that? Hey, I want to have all this, this joy and this happiness. I want, I want this and I want you to fulfill it. When he's saying, that's like nothing. <laughs> like, yeah, no problem. But why are you worrying about temporary things when I've got eternal things for you? Why are you worried about um, this person's opinion of you temporarily, which reminds me of me skipping around the church this morning, and not um, investing in eternal relationships, not investing in people's lives and seeing their lives change? Why are you worried about uh, temporary fleeting joy and not eternal joy in a source? Uh, this was just brought up, me and Brumball were talking too, and even last week we were talking about money. Why are we... That's why the prosperity gospel, in as much as it's talking about money, I believe in the prosperity gospel, it's just a different type of prosperity. But in the prosperity gospel that talks about money, the problem is I think God has much more for us than just money. If he gives you money, that's fine. Enjoy it. I'm, I'm completely okay with that. I'm, we make money. We give money. We, money's fine. We need it to survive. That's good. But that's not your source. That's why money's not the root of all evil. It's the love of money. It's, it's saying that this money is my source when it's not when the Holy Spirit's our source. That's why when we, we pray in here, I don't try to twist people's arm and say, you're going to get all these blessings if you give us a bunch of money. No, you're going to be blessed regardless whether if you give us money or not. But if you listen to the Holy Spirit and give us money, you're going to be super blessed because you're, you're, you are now operating like Jesus operated by hearing from the Father and listening to him and submitting to him. That's something else. Thank you, Brumbaugh, for giving me that this morning because I really, even afterwards, I felt like a fool. I was like... Why did I do that? I mean, that was what he said to do, so I did it. And David was like, hey, that's a, that's a breakthrough for you because the next time he leads you to do something, it may be much greater sacrifice than just skipping around a church. I was like, that makes sense. That makes sense. I mean, who cares if I look like a fool? But, but what if he asked me something like major, like give this person $1,000 or, you know, pick up your family and move somewhere else? You know, if the Holy Spirit genuinely leads me to do that, wow. I mean, that's, <laughs> Turners are going, no. no. I'm just saying, it's just an example. <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. But we even said this, even the situation, we were, we were having a conversation the other day, and we were talking about this whole, a lot of you know our situation. We've got two houses now, and we're going to have to sell one pretty soon, and the house we're in is a lot nicer than we could have afforded if the circumstances had been different. Now, we're in the process of fixing it up, and somebody was saying, well, you, you guys are going to stay here? And I was like, I mean, for now, yeah, we're going to enjoy it while we're here. If the time comes when we sell it, we'll sell it and we'll move somewhere else, whatever. But we're just going to listen to what the Holy Spirit tells us and we're going to do that. And we're going to enjoy it now. And we may stay here 10 years or 50 years, two years, I don't know. But I'm not going to stress out about it. I'm going to listen to the Holy Spirit and we're going to try to do the best we can to invest and do the right things. But other than that, I have no idea. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I really don't. I mean, think about some of, some of you guys. Who knew that the things would have worked out the way they did? Hindsight, you can see God working through it, but in the midst of it, you're going, I don't know, this doesn't make any sense to me. This is not my plan. My plan is to just have fun every once in a while, and everything's going good, and then, boom, your temporary joy is taken from you. Now what? Now we have to find something else. 
Now we have to see where, well, here's the two things we'll do. We'll try to fix it all. That's what I do. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is funny. We'll try to fix it all. We'll try to gather everything and make everything work until, <laughs> I'm speaking from my experience, until it all falls apart and you realize you can't fix it all. Then you go back to the source and God's going, mm, I've been right here the whole time watching you, you know, trying to fix everything. Oh, man. There, there is something so, something so comforting in, in working really, really hard and then realizing that it feels like you're in mud. Have you ever done that? Trying, 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 trying. Things are not going the way they should. And then right in the midst of all that, something else happens. And then it's, it's like kicking you when you're down. And then you turn and you go, <laughs> and, and I'm speaking from experience, I haven't prayed about any of these things. I've just, I've just been not doing the right thing, but just trying to do it all on my own. And then I get hit again. And I turn to the Lord and I pray. And he's like, it's okay. He's not mad. He's not upset that I, I did my own thing. He never left. He doesn't beat me over the head with his rod and his staff like we talked about a few weeks ago. He comforts me. Amen. And you go, whoa. We talked about it last week in, on, in conversations about um, Jesus looking at Peter after he denied him. We're like, what do you think that face looked like? And we, we all agreed, love, forgiveness, compassion. I mean, what else, you know? What else would Jesus do? And that's, that's the source that I see when I, I screw up, I screw up, I screw up, or I, try, I don't even want to say screw up. Even with good intentions, I may be working for, for something good or selfish, whatever it is, and then, and then something happens, and then I turn to the God that's been with me the whole time <laughs> that I should have been with at the beginning and talked to, and he goes, that's okay, we'll, we'll get through this. Let's, it's kind of like the, the dad that I, that I always wanted to say, here, son, let me do this. When I, you, you guys have heard me a hundred times about the wrench thing, I didn't realize until after years and years and years after I got saved, I grew up working on cars, and I remember talking to myself way before I ever knew the Lord, and I would be working on something because we really couldn't afford much, so whatever I had, it usually had to be worked on. Plus, most of it was Chevrolets, and they just break a lot. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but I would be working on them, and something would happen that, that I would really need help with, and there was really, I mean, there was no one to help me. And so I would say to myself out loud, like, I, I seriously, I'd, I never realized this until years later. I would say, come on, son, you can do this. And I would drive myself, and I would say out loud, no one's going to help you do it. You have to do it. It's not going to get fixed on its own. And then I would drive me, and I would fix it. And I'd figure it out. I mean, I would, whatever I had to do, I would fix it. Um, but, but one day in worship here, just probably five or six years ago, the Lord brought that back up to me. And what I really wanted was a father to come and take that wrench from me and fix it for me. I really wanted a father to come with me and help me hold something so I could get it in place. That's really what I desired. But I didn't have one, and so the reality that I found myself in was without, right, was, was without a, a comforter or a loving father or anybody that was there to help me, so I had to do it on my own. And so in the same way, when we, when we live this life and we try to find this joy that's always just like a hole in the bucket going through, when we finally turn to the Father, that's what we've always wanted to begin with. We think we can do it on our, on our own until we fall, until we fail. That's, that was the religious cycle I was on when I first got saved until I realized I couldn't do it anymore. And many of you have told me the same stories, that we tried really hard and, and it, it, was, 
it was trying to do all the right things, and one day we just realized we can't, there's no way that we can live up to this expectation. We can't be perfect. Exactly. What, do you need a Savior? (laughs) That's exactly what we need. We need a Father that we can talk to, that we can relate to. That's why Jesus came and said, we, we... we pray, this is how we pray, our Father, not God, not some distant God. Because you can make anything a God. You can make that chair a God. We pray to Father. We pray to our Dad. Lord, we need you. I need you in this situation, big or small. Holy Spirit, I need you to help me through this. And that is our source. This is our source that we pull from. And I want to tell you, ain't nobody, ain't nobody kicking that source off of his throne. Amen. I made a post earlier this week about fighting from victory, not towards it. Listen, he could kill me today. I mean, I hope he doesn't. Well, not that he could kill me. I could die today, a physical death, but I go on to live in eternity, right? He's already defeated the enemy. What do I have to fear? Intimidation? From what? I've had people threaten me. I'm not, for what? I mean, what am I afraid of? What is there to be afraid of? Nothing. My dad... (laughs) Is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's adopted me. As a matter of fact, there's been a transfusion. He's transplanted his heart in, into me, and now his blood runs through my veins. It runs through yours too. If you've accepted him, you're a new creation. So whatever is coming against you, or anything you're going through that's trying to steal your joy, can't. <laughs> it can't do it. Temporarily, maybe, if you're focused on a temporary joy, but not an eternal joy, there's no way. It can't happen. So I actually went over and I was trying not to. Stand up with me. We're going to pray. I'll let you guys get out of here. You got, it's going to get dark earlier, so I don't want you to be here too long. <laughs> so <laughs> I know last, last week's sermon that I didn't get to preach was uh, life's more than coffee and bacon. Um, and I didn't preach it for two reasons. The Holy Spirit led me in a different direction to have a discussion, and I didn't want to get rushed and tackled. Um, but I want to tell you this, enjoy temporary joy, whether it's coffee, bacon, or um, a gift, or uh, you know, money, whatever it is, enjoy those things. There's nothing wrong with that, but don't put your hope and your faith in those things because they can let you down. Same thing with people, organizations, anything like that. If you, put, if, if you take all of your hope and you place it in that, it's misplaced. And whether, it, whether they want to or it wants to or whatever, it's going to let you down eventually. It can't... It can't it doesn't have the power that the, the real source has. So, Father, we just pray right now that as we, as we leave this place, Lord, uh, like we say all the time, we don't check your Holy Spirit at the door. Father, you go with us. So as we go, whether we go to the restaurants or we go, um, we go visit with our family, Lord, um, just lead us how, the, how we treat people, how we see people. Father, help us to, to draw from your eternal joy, from, from your eternal perspective, that, that we, can, we can live from a different source than, than we even see touch and feel in, in the, the realm that we're in. Father, we draw from a different realm. You've told us that we're not even of this world, that, that you, have, you have given us your heart and you have raised us from the dead spiritually. So we are now alive and you have given us life and eternal life that starts now. We don't have to wait for it. So Father, open our eyes to that. Lord, renew our minds to it as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.